Hi, I'm Amira Khalid, and I'm the creator and host of Inspiring UAE Women, the one and only podcast focused on female leaders in the United Arab Emirates. I enjoy meeting and talking to female leaders and finding out how they charted their path to professional success. In my show, Inspiring UAE Women, I will be interviewing and shining the spotlight on a diverse group of female leaders in the UAE and inspire women in the region with their success stories. everyone for tuning in i hope you enjoy listening to my podcast and if you do please subscribe and leave your comments and ratings on itunes and spotify you can also follow the podcast on facebook at inspiring ua women podcast or instagram at iuaew podcast you can also email me on inspiring ua women at gmail.com to get in touch my guest today is fatima al-qabesi Fatima is the first Emirati woman to graduate from Harvard Law School in the United States. She is a feminist, activist, and a lawyer. Fatima comes from a family of female trailblazers. Her aunt, Amal al-Qabesi, was the first female speaker of parliament in the Gulf and the Middle East. Her cousins are Hamda and Amna al-Qabesi, the famous car racers. Fatima is passionate about helping women in her community and mentoring young people. Thank you so much for being on my show, Fatima. It is such a pleasure having you. My first question is, what drove your interest in law? Hi, Amira. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here today. So I became a lawyer because when I was little and growing up, I noticed the stark difference um, between how men and women were treated. And I wanted to know whether it was the culture or the laws. And to my surprise, I discovered I think it's a it's kind of a mix of both. You are the first Emirati woman to graduate from Harvard Law School in the U.S. What inspired you to pursue this qualification and what was your experience like at Harvard? So when I was applying to law schools, I actually didn't even think of Harvard. I was applying to all kinds of law schools and Harvard wasn't really on my radar. I kind of thought it was, you know, somewhere geniuses went and I didn't belong. So it was actually my boss at the time, Harry Stanley, who encouraged me to apply. And another uh, female role model I had at the time, uh, Rachel Amos, who was head of regulatory, she also encouraged me very much to apply. And they both wrote my recommendation letters. And sometimes that's what you need. You need someone to believe in you, even when you don't believe in yourself. So when I went to Harvard, you know, I was used to the French system of education, which is very similar to the Arab system of education. It's uh, basically regurgitation of information. (laughs) Uh, Memorize this and then, you know, on an exam, write it. And I mean, the system works great for me. I'm a master memorizer. But when I went to Harvard, I remember my very first day in class, I had contracts. And like many Emiratis, my name starts with L. So I'm at the very top of the list because my last name starts with an A. So I I remember I got cold called on the very first day and I stood up and uh, he asked me, you know, he said, so tell me about the case. And I started to tell him, you know, the facts, the parties, what happened, the issue, what the judge ruled. And he said, slow down, slow down. And he told me, I want you to know your opinion. I was shocked out of, you know, my three years of law school and then working, I'd never been asked for my opinion. No one had ever cared. So I thought, wow. And that's really the difference, I think, between the American way of teaching the law compared to the civil law way or the European way or the French way of teaching it, which is pretty much memorization. And I think it's so important that we ensure that our lawyers are analytical and deep thinkers and not just that they can regurgitate the law. 
Now, there's so much being done by the UA government to promote gender diversity. What are we women doing well and where is there opportunity to grow? So I think we're doing really well. Look at us in the region. Look at us in the world. We're leading in a lot of different fields. So for example, what other parliament or cabinet has 50% women? I don't know of any other country that has this high of a percentage. So we are leading in so many things. We have female ambassadors, ministers. We've had the first speaker of the Federal National Council, our parliament, who is actually also my, my aunt, Emil Vesi. So there are a lot of areas where we are thriving, we're doing so well, and we need to keep it up. In terms of where we could do better, I think, you know, this is a daily struggle. There's so many little moments where we could do better, just like anywhere else in the world, I think. We can stop interrupting women. We can uh, start paying them the same. We can, you know, ensure that they have enough paid maternity leave. So I think, you know, there are areas where we can all improve just like any other country. Do you believe that law firms could be doing more pro bono work locally? Definitely. So to my surprise, there are places like you can do pro bono work, but it's not mandated. So what law firm do you know has a big heart? I don't know any. <laughs> so I really think, you know, in internationally, in many countries, if you want to become a lawyer, you have to do a certain number of pro bono hours. So I wish that this were implemented here as well. And I also wish that the law firms had to have a, you know, a civic duty to help a certain number of people or certain number of cases that would be very, very beneficial. What are some ways in which the current justice system can be made more accessible? So actually last year in November, there was a reform. So they changed a lot of the laws concerning even family law, divorce law. I'm not going to go into the specifics, but that was a huge leap. Um, I thought, you know, that would take perhaps decades and they did it within one year, changed a whole variety of laws. And that's pretty impressive, you know, to do them in, in one go. I think there are a lot of rules that have been changing. So for example, when I was growing up, when I turned 18, I couldn't go apply to get a driver's license. It wasn't allowed unless my male guardian signs. This has changed and this is no longer the case. There are also, you know, other types of laws that are still in effect that do kind of limit women's choices. And I think a lot of that, it hasn't to do with Sharia law. So a lot of the time, you know, I'm being asked, is Sharia law something that doesn't help women? Is it not in our advantage? And I I disagree with that. I think that Sharia law has been interpreted largely by men. You look at Islam and you look at the rights that women were given back in the day to own property, to make their own decisions, not to be forced into marriage. Islam is actually very, very much a religion that does have a very strong and a very prominent place for the women in society. It's just how we've interpreted it that perhaps can be reinterpreted. So what's important to know is that culture is very, very different from religion. So the cultural aspect of it, I'll give you one example. So some women, you know, come forward and they ask for my help. They want to find a lawyer. They wish to marry a person of their choosing. However, in the law currently, women have to have their guardian sign if they're getting married for the first time. And women who get married abroad, sometimes their marriage certificate isn't recognized here in the country. And these are definitely areas we need to figure out and we need to work around these. I think in today's day and age, no man should be making a decision for a woman whether or not she can marry someone. I think the, you know, the guardianship system is dying out, whether it's here or Saudi. And I think it's about time. 
Tell us a bit more about the work you do and the initiatives you're involved with to help women in your community. Sure. So I've been involved in a lot of different kind of programs such as Lean In. When I was at Harvard, I even joined the women's group. There are lots of different things I would like to share, but I think the most exciting ones, I have a story of an orphan who reached out to me from one of the Emirates. And she told me that her mother had passed away quite recently when she reached out. One of the main things that she reached out about were basically she wasn't given her diploma, even though she had paid for four years of university, the university refused to issue her her diploma. And they said, you know, you don't have an Emirates ID, we can't give it to you. But they had no issue taking her money for four years. And then they decided that she wasn't worthy of her diploma and she couldn't have it. So she actually did the most work on this. So she, what she did is she reached out to them. We told her that she could sue. I connected her to a lawyer. She was prepared to step up and speak out for herself. And she hadn't had her diploma after even two years of graduating. So excitingly, after I think six months of communicating with them, it still took time. She was able to finally, finally get her diploma. And I think it just meant so much to her to finally have it in her hands and to be able to say, you know, she went to this university and she has her degree. That's so heartwarming. I'm so glad that there were women out there, including yourselves, who actually helped her. Could you name a woman who has inspired you the most and why? Definitely. So personally, I would say my grandmother. My grandma is one of my biggest inspirations. Growing up with her around, I never thought of women as, you know, weak or submissive or any of that. I thought of women as strong and incredible and able to do anything because I saw her. She told me the story when I was little. She told me that she saw that men had pockets and it intrigued her because women didn't have any pockets. And, you know, she was dreaming of, oh, I want to have a pocket. I want to put all my, you know, sweets or whatever in it. And I remember she went and she told uh, women in her community that I'm going to sew on pockets. You know, she was going to add them to her clothes. And back in the day, people made their own clothes. They belittled her. They said, you know, this is nonsense. What are you thinking? Women don't have pockets. That's ridiculous. And really, you know, they, they discouraged her from doing it. And so my grandmother, being my grandmother, sewed on these pockets <laughs> onto her <laughs> onto her jalabia. And uh, yeah, and she's never looked back. And she, I think until this day, all her jalabias have pockets. And when the tailor asks her, she looks at him as if he asked the most ridiculous question. She says, of course, put pockets. And, and that really inspired me. We might think of these little fights, fighting for a pocket, but it's, it's so much more than that. It's just we are equals. We get to do the same things. And I think that's what it really stands for. So professionally, I would say my boss, uh, Sahia Ahmed, who worked at Dubai Tourism. So she definitely is one of the people who I looked up to so much. I saw her, you know, she's, she's Emirati. She's very hardworking and she was very tough on me. I really like that she didn't take it easy on me. As an Emirati learning, as a young lawyer, you know, you need someone who's not going to sugarcoat it, who's going to tell you things the way they are and who's going to challenge you. So I'm so glad that she did that. I won't know how to repay it ever probably, but I think, you know, when I have a young lawyer standing before me, I'm going to expect the exact same. You know, I'm going to expect hard work, dedication and commitment. And I think that she did that for me for sure. She definitely taught me discipline and taught me what it takes to be a lawyer. 
Fatima, my last question is, what are three pieces of advice you would offer aspiring young professional women? So three pieces of advice I would offer aspiring professional women would be be persistent, be disobedient, and be furious. I think that those kinds of women are the women that shaped our history. Thank you so much for being on my show, Fatima. It was an absolute pleasure having you. It was such a pleasure being here. Stay in touch, Amila. I can't wait to share this. And I, I really hope that we have more furious female role models out there. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Inspiring UA Women podcast. This interview with Fatima was a positive reminder that things are changing. But let's not forget that there is more work to be done. As a young country, the United Arab Emirates is constantly adapting its legislation to support its citizens and residents, and female leaders like Fatima are ready to action that change. I learned that the right mentors can push you out of your comfort zone for good. Law firms need to do more pro bono work, more efforts need to be made on equalizing legislation for both genders. And lastly, be fierce and determined in your pursuit of excellence. If you'd like to reach out, feel free to connect with me on Facebook at Inspiring UA Women Podcast, Instagram at IUAW Podcast, or email me on inspiringuawomen at gmail.com. See you next Thursday.